Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to a special road trip edition of the PM Mentors Podcast. Uh, both me and Kyle are out of the office this week on a business trip, so thought uh, we'd hop on a mic and just kind of record an episode. What's up, Kyle? Hey, Matt. How you doing? It's good to, good to hear from you. I'm starting to set a precedent here that I'm always in my truck when we're doing these things. So uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the sound works out good and everybody can hear me all right. What do you drive a Ford or a Chevy? We're going to get you a sponsorship. Oh, I'm, I, I'm hesitant to even say it on the air, but I drive a Ford these days. I used to be a Chevy man, um, but I'm going to be honest. I kind of went for the cheaper route this time. It was like, it was a big difference. So I was, I, I went, I went Ford. Yeah, none of them are cheap right now. No, no, it's insane. And I actually, uh, I ended up just getting this truck because it was one they already had on the lot. And um, somebody else had ordered it and not taken delivery. So they had it available. I was like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> Those are the best ones. Yeah, man. It's probably the salesman's easiest sale of their entire <laughs> life. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah. So right. one thing I want to talk about this week is you've been out of the office. You've been traveling around doing some kickoff meetings and some projects you got coming up. So I kind of wanted to just get on and talk about what a kickoff meeting is and kind of what makes a good kickoff meeting and all that sort of fun stuff. So you can talk about what you've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. I love the topic here. It's, it's one that I, I think is, tr- is really, really important to help get the project started off the right way. So, you know, it comes to kickoff meetings. The first thing I think of is, you know, what's the purpose of it? Um, to me, the purpose is to a couple things. It's, it's to set the tone for the project. It's to, um, you know, show up, show up on, on the site, uh, with your client, with the contractors, everybody get get together in in a room of some capacity, and um, purpose is to set the tone, and and it's, it's to kind of talk through the specifics of the project, uh, the various piece, pieces of it, the the bits, all the details that it's going to take to really get things started. I mean, you know, kick off. Let's let's go sports analogy with you know talking about the Alex from last week here. Um, you know, kick off just like in football. Uh, it's it's the start of the project um, on the construction side. So um, set the tone. You know, just like you wouldn't in, in in sports and football. Can you know go out there, uh, get in there, whether it's aggressive or you know depending on the type of project and who's going to be there. Um, you know, have that first initial contact. Have it go the way you want to to kind of show, you know, show your strategy and how you're going to approach things. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts on you know purpose and kind of setup for the, and that kind of stuff? I do. I agree. I think the real importance to kind of get to lay some of the ground rules, right? Um, and I guess that's probably a that's probably a sport analogy too, <laughs> ground rules. Uh, but yeah. uh, man, everything we do now that I'm thinking about it, everything we say is a sports analogy of some sort. This but, is yeah. all Alex's fault, by the way. But um, <laughs> well, I see it everywhere now. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Um, but no, it, it kind of sets the ground rules, kind of helps, you know, kind of get everybody on the same page. Um, you got to meet and greet. It's, I mean, it's always sort of a honeymoon stage too, right? You kind of kind of feel everybody, each other out, kind of understand who's who's in charge, who's doing this, who's doing that. And, uh, but no, I think it's, aside from that, I think it's real important uh, to really get a strong, start the project right. You start the project off on the wrong foot, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to recover. I think, you know, you'd be months down the road still trying to recover from a four-star. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, we've we've all been in those meetings too, where it's it's kind of uncomfortable, and it can even be a little bit tense. And it's it's like this is the chance to really give that first impression. I mean, just like when you're meeting somebody new, kind of like you were saying, getting people in the room. Um, it, it, it's that initial. It's it, it's it's a it's a fresh beginning, a fresh start, if you will. And it's like, all right, guys, guys and gals, this is our chance to start this the right way, carry the momentum on through. It was kind of, you know, kind of, kind of the thoughts there. Um, question for you uh, and the owner's rep side, uh, what, what kind of structure do you guys usually see? I mean, are you guys usually leading and facilitating? Are you guys more so, um, you know, backseat and the GCs running it? Well, you know, what, what do you guys usually see? to run it um you know as the owner's rep from the owner's perspective i like to run it um and just to kind of i mean ultimately the owner's in charge right and we all sort of work for the owner so kind of at least leading the from the owner's perspective um i do like to get buy-in from the contractors before we start the meeting kind of the topics we're going to talk about and see if you know at least i mean i give them the whole my whole agenda because sometimes that's not completely written up in time but um <laughs> But at least kind of the heading points, right? We're going to talk about safety. We're going to talk about um, material storage. We're going to talk about, you know, just site logistics. We're going to talk about how submittals flow, how RFIs flow, how, you know, all those sort of things. And then, you know, some contractors are like, oh, we also need to talk about this. Or maybe the project will call for a special, you know, a special coordination that we need to be real mindful of. Maybe we're, you know, moving people in halfway through. or Just kind of need to talk about those sort of things. But, um I, from the owner side, I like to, I like to lead them. What about you? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And that was our experience this week too. We, um, we actually had two projects that were kicking off um, out in Ohio and uh, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of anticipation, man. We've been talking about these projects for six months now. <laughs> so it was great to finally get out there, get onto the site, meet with the client, meet the contractors that have gotten the, gotten the project and, you know, be able to have that finally that face to face, shake the hands um, and have those conversations. And you brought up a really good point that I think is really, really important for people to listen um, and understand is that it's the whole thing's about collaboration. I mean, the whole point of this meeting is not to to come in there and military at least at least my view not to come in there and take a military style approach and say this is how we're doing step a to b to c and, and there's no give there's no take on it it's going to be my way or the highway i see it as a collaboration collaboration thing collaborative approach um and that's kind of the overall tone we set for our meetings when i'm running them is that hey we have these high level list of topics, just like you said, you know, we have we have our agenda, our outline of things. And, you know, the same things you're talking about is, is what's in our stuff too, RFIs and submittals, how are we handling that stuff? What do we have for mobilization logistics plan? Where Where's everybody parking? How are they getting to the site? You know, how are we getting them access badges into the plant? And how is that all getting controlled? All those little details that, that get people started on the right foot. And the best way to do it is to start with the collaboration, Get because that gets the buy-in, just like you were saying. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, if you're wanting to have a collaborative project, they're going to have a, a, you know, working through it all together and have that team approach. I mean, if you come into the kickoff meeting and if you literally kick off the project in the military, like everybody sit down, shut up, I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. <laughs> you know how the project's going to go. Yeah. Um, 
it's funny. Like most people come into those kickoff meetings, you know, usually everyone's on their best behavior, right? Because it's we're learning. Everyone comes in. We're going to be collaborative and all this sort of stuff. But every now and then, you ever see somebody that shows up and they're the one, like maybe it's from the contractor side, or I've even seen it from the owner side before, where they come in and they're, no, this is how it's happening. It's my way or the highway. And it's like, whoa, what's going on, man? <laughs> oh yeah. Those are fun to navigate right in the middle of the meeting. <laughs> oh, they absolutely are. And, and the one that comes to mind for me that I see happen over and over again is, um, so working in these plants, they always have their embedded contractors, the ones that are local that they use for all their maintenance and all their repairs. And I mean, it's their go-to people that they can call them up in a pinch and with no notice say, hey, we, we had this this thing break down or we had this leak we need you to fix. And, and they'll be there to take care of it. You know, they're, they're the contractor's reliable team. Well, sometimes when they're in those meetings, you know, there gets to be a little bit of this, this notion that, that we're there trying to get in their way and take yeah. over and and you know be like a roadblock between them and and the client the customer and so that's where it's like being very cautious of those things and being a little sensitive to that that yeah you know what i'm sorry but i i'm the new guy on on the block here this is my this is my first day showing up for this project and i know that you've worked here for 12 years and so just approaching it delicately i've found is a is a good way to handle that those are I've seen those. I don't do I mean, food event like you do, so not necessarily planning to be the on-call guy, but I've definitely seen that where it could even be a subcontractor too, right? Like they could be the go-to electrician that the you know the school calls whenever they have a problem. And then there, oh yeah, this may not be the initial kickoff that you see, but once you get going, hell, they know more about everything than you do because they've, because they've <laughs> been working on this. That guy's been working into this building for a decade, and so you got any? ideas or kind of how to how to, how to get those guys on the team and be collaborative when they seemingly know that more than you do well honestly but my my best advice to anybody listening is just don't be afraid to admit that you don't know I, I, I got no problem doing that. Hell I even said that in the meeting yesterday. I, I looked around the room and I said guys I know that you all work here regularly and I haven't worked here in two years so I'm leaning on all of you guys to help me drive this meeting and help steer in the direction it needs to go for us to have the right discussions and everybody was cool with that and and i mean they were they were all i think they appreciated the um the vulnerability that hey i i don't need to know everything i mean that's you guys as the you guys and gals as the tradesmen you're the experts in what you do i i'm just here to help remove the roadblocks so that you guys can do your jobs as best as possible that's that, that, you know, that's how I approach it. I love that. That's such a good way to look at it. And so I think when they, they feel empowered at that point too, right? Because they're like, you're not getting here to get in our way. <laughs> you're almost just here to assist and help them. It's like they don't work for you. You work for them at some point, right? And then it makes the team a whole lot better. Well, that's a, that's a great way to put it. And um, I, I like to think that, um, and I even say to some people too, that, I, I try to treat everybody on the on the team or on on the construction site as my client. The the the, 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 the general contractor, their subcontractors. I mean, obviously the client, of course. Um, people that are just on the project for any any odd reason, working on stuff. Because the reality is, at the end of the day, we're all working as a team. And if one of us fails, it hurts the whole project. So it it, it just doesn't make any sense for people to show up in 
get in the way of others and have that military style and close the doors on collaboration because at the end of the day if we're all successful then then the, the project overall is a success and I mean, hell, I even I even said, I think it was yesterday or maybe it was Monday. I, I even said, and maybe I don't know if I should have, but I was like, guys, I want to leave this project in a way that people walk away for once and they actually say, man, that was fun. I liked that project. <laughs> it just doesn't happen very often. I mean, people get run down and schedules get crammed down their throats and they get beat up over time. And I mean, I just, I hate to say it, but I see very few projects that people are happy to work on. Yeah, I saw a, man, what was it? It was a meme, because I like memes. But there was a meme that I saw recently. I got to find it. Uh, maybe I'll put it in a newsletter. But it basically said like day one of the project and everyone's like excited and like cheering and having a party. And then it was like day seven of the project and everyone's already beat down and like crying. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's true, and I mean I'm giggling. It's 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 not a laughing matter, obviously, but it's just it's so true. And you know that's that's what we're trying to change. I mean we're you know we're we are trying. My company's trying to bring some different ideas and some different ways of doing projects that maybe the clients haven't seen before, um, because they're used to the um, you know the strongholding. Um, military style really you know old school way of barking orders um on a job site and that's that's not how we operate you did you put something on linkedin this morning that i i drive in or i was quoted but it was about how you really try to instill the culture up front in these meetings like How'd you do that? Was it basically this collaboration uh, aspect that you really were trying to drive home or was there more to it? Yeah, well, it, it was the collaboration was, I would say, the first part, which is and and what I kind of do with that to try to get everybody involved is and it's a little clunky, but there's but you just got to get through it is I, I, I like to do the around the room like everybody, you know, introduce yourself and I like to leave it open ended. You know, so that people can kind of say whatever they want to about themselves. And you can you can also learn a little bit about people by what they say. So we get through that phase and everybody warms up a little bit. And then, of course, hopefully there's also maybe some some joking around back and forth with people that know each other. But then when it comes down to it, I've got a couple of slides where I hit on um, project success. And what I hit on is, all right, as a team, how are we going to define success for this project? And so I, I, I talk about three things and I get the input on three different things. The first one is expectations. So as a team, a collaborative project site construction team, what are our expectations from each other? And so I, I just open it up and I say, all right, what do we have? Let's start, start naming them here. And I'll get anywhere from in the last couple of days, it was the participation was awesome. I was getting five, even 10 different things to write down. These guys and gals in the room just just sharing you know off the top of their head the expectations they have you know for people with them but also what they expect from from others and stuff and um so that's so that was the expectations part you know how do we um what do i expect from you and then also you know obviously the two-way street what you expect from me that's that's the first one the second one i hit on is the the success criteria for the project and now that one that one's more i would say subjective um, whereas these uh, expectations is, is, is objective, where the success criteria can more so be measured, where, you know, there's a very specific goal 
in mind. But for example, I mean, the first one and the best one, of course, is zero safety incidents, right? We, we don't want to have that. That safety's first, no matter what. So that, that's usually one that comes up right away. And then beyond that, it could be things like, we need to be finished by this date. Or in these food and bev projects, we want to have our first sellable product by this date. So the line's installed, it's gone through checkout, it's started up, and now we have a product that has been uh, quality checked as well, that it can be sold on the market. So that's oftentimes, that's a, um, the target finish date. So again, that success criteria, it, that's kind of the, the more measurable goals uh, beyond just having some expectations. And then the third one I talk about is the respect piece. So so the respect is kind of kind of two parts. I mean, how, how do we define respect first, but then beyond that, how are we gonna actually do it? I mean, what, what are some things that come to mind when we think about respect on a job site? How do we make sure that that stuff actually takes place on this specific job site with these people in this room. So you know, maybe kind of a long-winded answer, but yeah, I try to hit on those three things, the expectations, the success criteria, and then you know, building a culture of respect. How's, it, how's that taken in? Do you get eye rolls or people bought, bought into it? Man, I, I've been actually really pleasantly surprised. I had awesome buy in the last couple of days doing it. Um, these these tradesmen and these contractors. I mean, I was probably sitting, I don't know, maybe 20 to 30 people in the room, um, somewhere between that for each one. And um, and and I'm talking. I mean, we had the bigwigs from the plant there too. We had the engineering managers that oversee all the projects and all the engineering for the whole plant. Um, a couple of them that were in the room as well, and they were chiming in too. I mean, it was great. They were sharing some things that they expected and and some 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 ideas and ways for being respectful. Um, the contractors were chiming in. Um, I mean, you know, we shared some stuff too that that we felt um, maybe they hadn't touched on yet that should be on the list. So, you know, the, the participation, the buy-in was actually really, really good these last couple of days. And that's why, you know, my post, I talked about being excited about it. That's why I'm really excited. I mean, getting the getting the getting the kickoff going that direction to me says a lot of a lot of things about how the uh, the tone has been set and at least the way that it, it can go. So that's cool, man. You keep saying these last couple of days. Did you have a two day kickoff meeting or was it two separate projects? It was two separate projects. Okay, I was thinking, man, a two day kickoff meeting. Like I'm all about it. That's a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it was two separate projects, and there's actually three that we're involved with, but it was just two of the projects we had kickoff meetings now. The third one's coming up here in probably about another month or so. But yeah, two pro three projects total at this at this same plant. We got a we got a lot of work going on. Gotcha. That makes more sense. I was like, okay, I'm you had me, but I'm all, I'm gone now, man. After a second day. <laughs> <laughs> So I was going to ask you something. Uh, I everyone's heard of post mortem meetings, right? Everyone gets around after the meeting's done, and you know, it's, you're examining the dead body and trying to figure out what happened, what was good, what was bad. But have you ever done a pre mortem where essentially at the beginning of the project, I've actually never done this, but I've heard about it. Uh, and then I actually was listening to a podcast on something completely unrelated, and it's basically about product development, actually AI product development, stuff like that. We're just talking about developing it and basically asking the same question. So basically getting the people on the team, he was talking about product development, but you basically in your kickoff meeting have a section 
and where you say, hey, guys, we're all, you know, three months after project completion, and the project failed miserably. What happens? And it kind of helps everybody. You start looking at it from a different lens, kind of out of that optimistic lens a little bit. You can kind of be a little bit vulnerable, and you say, okay, well, open it up. Well, maybe and you can drag out some issues too, right? Like, well, it failed because this component was shipping from Japan, and it didn't make it because of the supply chain. You start start developing uh, kind of workarounds and alternative contingency plans. Have you ever done something like that? Well, I, I, are you talking about like, you know, after the project's already going and we're getting near the end, or are you, are you saying even before, like, before shovel hits the ground? Talking about like right now, like when you're doing your kickoff meeting, maybe even part of your kickoff meeting, you're even, um, you know, a separate meeting aside from the kickoff meeting, but like you're basically looking forward, right? You're trying to think about, okay, if we did a pre mortem, what, and we're thinking about what happened at the end of the meeting or at the end of the project after substantial completion, like just put it on your thinking cap. We're all sitting around this table and the project failed. Let's all think about why it, why it would have failed. And then conversely, what made this a success? And you kind of, it's a different way to bring out some constraints and information and not in a bad way, but just kind of help to help the team think through some stuff. Yeah, well, that's a really interesting idea. Um, I mean, I, I have not done a, I would say a formal section of a meeting that way. Uh, but I mean, you, you just mentioned the word constraints. We, we do try to have that be one of our agenda topics for that kickoff meeting is, you know, what do we have for constraints in the site? And maybe it's access points or maybe it's times of day because of production schedules or maybe it's an overhead bridge clearance issue. Maybe maybe you can't even get tall trucks to the site or, you know, from a certain direction or something like that. But um, now thinking about end of the project, though, for what could go wrong, I guess to that question, I would say that I like to ask the project engineers and the project managers on the, on the owner side, I, I like to ask him, what's your made, what's your biggest concerns on these projects? You know, what's going to keep you up at night? You know, which things are you really thinking about that are a hot button issue for you? And and the, the way I do that is we actually do do a, 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 a client onboarding as well. And so when they come on board, even before we have a kickoff meeting, so just now just us and the customer, um, we, we introduce them, you know, to us, to our team, kind of our ways of working with all of our different um, software that we have to use for invoicing and, um, you know, any of our uh, SOV review and that, those kinds of things. Um, but during that meeting, we like to talk about, all right, so like, like I said, which which things are a concern to you? What I mean, what's what keeps them up at night? Um, is that kind of where you're going or? Yeah, pretty much. Um, there's different ways to attack it. The podcast I was listening to, it, which made me rethink about this idea I had in the past, which I've never, I've actually never done something as formal as this, but it was, he basically said, you know, you're in the middle of developing a product and they're talking about like AI and software and that sort of stuff. But it was, um, you know, he likes to ask the team, says, all right, guys, fast forward in your brain, you know, let's do a little, let's do a little exercise. Fast forward in your brain till next year day after the product hits the market and it's a complete failure what happened what went wrong and then it kind of it helps people maybe be a little bit more vulnerable too and saying hey well i've been worried about this 
And I think this might be a bigger problem. And you kind of go around the room, and if two or three people say the same thing, well, hey, there might be an issue there. You know what I mean? It's just uh, it's something that I heard on that, and it triggered my thought of like, man, I had this idea. Or I, I don't probably wasn't my, you know, my novel idea. I probably got it somewhere about just doing these pre-mortem meetings. And um, anyway, I didn't know if anybody's actually doing that practice. No, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I haven't, I haven't even seen that before. Um, and, and even that concept is something that that's a little bit new to me. I, it's kind of crazy. I mean, there's, and, and part of the reason why, you know, I even want to do do this this uh, CM mentors in the first place with you is that, I mean, the, the gold standard in the industry and like for what construction managers do, at least in the space that I work in, I mean. The bar is pretty low, <laughs> which is really unfortunate. And I mean, even after these just just a simple kickoff meetings the last two days, I already got feedback from the clients. They're like, thank you for coming out here and getting the project off to a good start. We've never seen that before. And I'm like, really? <laughs> isn't this just a standard practice? I mean, it, it should be. It's just a standard practice. But, you know, it's, that's, that's a lot of the reason why I think the industry has a lot of room for improvement and why I'm really looking forward to seeing what the next generations do. Um, like I've seen in some of some events and some of the questions that we get, I mean, they're asking some good questions. And so I think they're going to be off to a really good start. Cool, man. That gives such good uh, confidence on the client, too, in that case, too. When you're, <laughs> when you're head and shoulders above the last person that was in there, you know, if they'd never seen it before. That's a that's that's got to be a good confidence for them. Oh yeah, I, I would certainly think so, and and especially from the standpoint of, I mean, and it, it, like our company, we, and I'm, I'm sure you guys too, over at AGCM, it, you know, there's a lot of stuff that it's 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 like your company standards, right? You have your your certain forms and your checklists, and and I mean, just the the way you the way things, and to us, this is this is one of those things. It's like, well, yeah, we we have a kickoff meeting. I mean, we got to have. We got to have not only is it in our our contract with the client, but um, it's just a it's a standard practice, uh, at least as far as far as we know. But apparently it's not such a standard practice. You know, the uh, the old saying that sometimes common sense isn't so common, I, I guess, it's similar to that. Which is I mean, it, it kind of makes it why it's obvious, like the construction manager role like we're doing this owner's rep role is actually necessary because a lot of owners mean especially your owners, right? They run a factory. They know how, you know, they don't understand the construction side of it. They're used to producing widgets. I mean, widgets maybe a, you know, a candy bar or whatever they're making, but it's still, you know, they, it's very it's a different mindset and a different thought pattern. So having somebody, you know, like you coming in to help them manage that uh, kind of shows the importance of it. But I've also seen, even though, Man, I don't, I don't know the history, but you know, owner's rep, construction, uh, construction manager, agent, or whatever, whatever you want to call it, um, been around for a while. I don't, I don't know how long, but still, it still feels like a new role in the construction process. Like it's not as well defined. Like there's not a. I know there's AIA contract I think for it, but like I don't ever, I've never seen it used. So it's. Everyone's kind of defining their own scope as they go. I feel like is that what you're seeing? I definitely agree with that. And and my my 
feeling on it is that it's kind of like the whole shift that's happened. And from, from my understanding, even, even something back to like the 80s and the 90s of construction contracts and the con contracts you know, typically were designed, bid, build. That was that was the norm. And now it was even that way all the way up until, I mean, hell, I, that's the way contracts mostly were five and seven years ago when I was in, engineer, in the engineering world. Um, and, you know, nowadays things are, are going a lot towards design builds, integrated project deliveries, um, you know, and even like uh, in different concepts and different spinoffs of integrated project delivery. And so to me, it's, it's kind of follows that same timeline. And it's almost like as projects are shifting and the contracts are changing, the the, the role that somebody plays as an owner's rep, it, it, it's kind of split off. It used to be like, you know, GC might handle that even in, at least in some respects, but now it's really becoming more of like a specialized, you know, more of a consultancy type role. I mean, really advisory focus is, is kind of, kind of what you know, my thoughts on what it's become. Yeah, that's true. Uh, do you, do you see a lot of integrated product delivery? Is that, I mean, you're talking about like a multi-prime type situation. Well, multi-prime, but more so it's like, so, and, and, and so first to answer your question, no, I don't. Um, I, I think there's a lot of it going on in like the healthcare projects and like mega projects and stuff. So no, I haven't actually even gotten to work on an, in, in a true integrated project. But my understanding about the integrated projects is that it's, it's a lot to do with how the risk is apportioned to the parties in, on the contracts. And so really it's like, contractor, owner, architect, they all share the risk more evenly instead of a lot of it falling on, for example, the contractor, if it's a CM at risk, or, you know, maybe, or, you know, a lot of it might fall on the architect or the engineer if it's a design build. So really, you know, my understanding, my limited understanding is that it's more so about more evenly distributing that risk from a contract standpoint. I got you. Yeah, that's something I've kind of only only read about in textbooks. You know what I mean? Like I don't actually see it in practice. At least yeah. the type of projects we do is it's, it's probably a geographical bit to it as well. Uh, maybe that's my assumption. I don't know. I'm sure somebody knows way more than me, and they'll chime in hopefully. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we see a lot of even now with what we're doing, we see a lot of CM at risk. We see a lot of especially with the way the economy's been. It's so hard to do a design build design bid build project. Um, so it's definitely a lot of stuff we're seeing taking advantage of the CM at risk model. Um, but it's just been interesting. Oh yeah. Well and and like in the manufacturing space, what the projects that I've worked on, what what I'm seeing is like hybrids. They're they're doing um you know, a lot of the scope might still be design, bid, build, but then they'll have a portion of the scope that maybe they've done the math and they and they have the right contractor that, 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 that you know, this portion is going to be design, build. But, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe part of the project is that we're, we're putting a production line in this space. And so we have to build a new warehouse to offset that space. And so the warehouse, you know, it's basically a commercial construction. So we can just design, build that part, um, potentially save some costs for um, overall. And then the rest of it will be, you know, bid out with with third party engineering consultants, and then you know, tr traditional design bid build type things. That's kind of what we're seeing. There's, a, it, it's almost like the project gets 
split up a little bit, just depending yep. on how big the scope is. And, and like I said, where the dollars and cents are are the most uh, most efficiently used. And some really cool stuff, though, that I have seen as well is like some of the prefab, uh, prefabricated stuff. And I mean, I've seen it where they'll prefabricate piping skids and bring them on site. And now you just cut your installation time and, you know, by 70% or more, because now you only have, I don't know, let's say eight or 10 welds to make instead of 200. Uh, and I'm making up numbers here, but, um, you know, simple things like that, plus, you know, prefabrication done the right way can save a lot of cost too, because usually they can do shop labor in-house with, you know, potentially less less skilled people than it would take to be in the field on the site, um, you know, installing the same thing. Yeah, prefabrication is the way to go, um, especially with the labor prices we have. You can get way more done. It's, I think it's a lot safer too, because you're not working, you know, if you're, Mechanical and plumbing subcontractor I worked for in the past, they prefabricated everything they could. And a lot of it, you're welding up these pipe uh, assemblies, but you're doing it on a table at waist height, right? In a, in a safe and workable height. You're not trying to overhead weld up in the ceiling space and some, you know what I mean? Doing all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So it goes faster, it's safer, it's more productive, it's cheaper. And then, you know, there's a lot more, a lot less risk on the project side too, because when you get it out there, I mean, they had it down where they would, I mean, it was basically like putting together an Ikea, an Ikea table, to, you know, hanging the pipe. It was like, and you connect it to PC, and it looks like this, and like, it was just easy to do. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, that, that, that definitely sounds, uh, sounds like it could be interesting. What, what, what stuff do you guys typically see being prefabricated on your sites? Uh, a lot of piping. Um, is mostly what you see. Um, I started to see, like, I mean, I say I started to see electricians do it, but it's, I don't know. I just I think they're prefabricating. I don't even know. You may know better than me. It's not nearly necessarily the same, I guess, because it's, they'll go ahead and redo their wiring and their stuff and things on the lid, but not. Uh, have you seen? One thing I've seen is cool is like prefabricating. Actually, uh, I need to get back in touch with them. He actually sent me a message, Anthony uh, Gaday. They do prefabricated like housing, multifamily housing, single family housing out in Los Angeles. Uh, basically, they build they basically build these in a warehouse and basically go and erect them with basically building Lego blocks, stack them together. Uh, yeah, I've seen people do pods, like restroom pods. So if you're doing a hotel, these restroom pods would work really well, because if you think about a hotel, you know it's it's just a big open room with a little bit of electric, electrical stuff in the walls, and then all your really majority of your plumbing and everything else, and a lot of your risk of a hotel room is in the bathroom. That's where all your trades come together. Yeah. So they, they were seeing people prefabricate restroom pods, where they basically just fly them up and set them into the corner of the hotel room. And they'll install the riser, plug it in, good to go. Interesting. Yeah, no. Hey, can you hear me? I'm losing you. Back. Oh, I, can you hear me? Okay, we're back. We're back, folks. <laughs> if I get three seconds for the next week, I'll go edit that out. If not, it was a, it was a robot dance party. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I was talking about. I was, yeah, you know, I, I was just saying really quick. Oh, you're still going. <laughs> oh, I was just talking about the bathroom pause. Did you hear that part? No, no. Hit me again. <laughs> about the bathroom pause for the hotels where they can basically take them and fly them up into the corner of the hotel and then it's uh, all your. Really, you have electrical, mechanical, plumbing, and all your majority of your risk for your hotel room is kind of wrapped up in the little bathroom. So if they can prefabricate oh, yeah. those bathrooms off site and then put them in place and plug them in, uh, they, I don't know. I saw some stat on it. It saved like a crazy amount of labor. No, that's that's super cool because uh, I saw something else like a video or a podcast or something where they were talking about thing they were like building hotel rooms and i don't know if it was like a considered modular but they were almost like flying in with a crane almost a whole room that's complete and they just got to connect up the electrical and the plumbing and they're done that, i mean crazy so stuff like that. It's super the first cool. people i don't know if it was the first people to do it but actually in san antonio on the riverwalk it was like the 19 i'm gonna butcher this like so 1968 world's fair or something like that they uh they had, and I don't remember, I, I actually wrote about it in one of the newsletter episodes, uh, but I think they had like 180 days to build a hotel, something stupid fast, because they had to have it open before the World Fair started, and they prefabricated these concrete cubes, essentially, and they were a complete hotel room, down to like the alarm clock on the bed stand, the nice stand table, and they just blew them all up stacked them in place like Lego blocks and plugged them in. And they like had 150 yeah. days. Like, I forget what it was. They had like 180 days to do it and they did it in like 150 days. It was something like stupid fast. Yeah. Yeah, that's those kinds of stories are, are just super incredible. I mean, can you imagine being there to watch that take place? Oh, man. And just every day you're just seeing this thing get stacked up like a Lego tower get built. Yeah. No, it'd be, it'd be super cool. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a topic here really quick because I wanted to ask you a question. Um, one of the hacks that you posted about I don't remember if it was today or or last week or something, but you talked about to do lists and managing to do lists. Yeah. So I was kind of curious. I, I was curious. I wanted to hear your thoughts on some of the stuff that that you've done or that you guys do that you're finding works well for doing that. looking for the next shiny thing which is one of my problems <laughs> like i'll switch to uh, <laughs> digital like I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this digital thing it's gonna have all my notes and all my to-do list and everything it's gonna be a perfect system right and then i always end up defaulting back to paper and pen just because that was what works best for me and then i'll do that for a while then i'll see a new shiny thing with ai built in and I'm like this is gonna solve all my problems right and so uh anyway but Honestly, the best system I've ever done, and I like the best, is the bullet journal. Have you ever heard of that? I don't think so. Uh, I can't explain it all, but Google it. But essentially, it's how you take all your notes and all your daily notes, kind of your journal, and how you kind of a system and a format. And there's kind of weekly reviews, monthly reviews, but then there's kind of a rolling to-do list that goes with it. And then I implemented because I'm big of I have like a follow-up list as well. Um, so I kind of implemented that into it as well. But it's basically just get like a, you know, just a bound notebook, some blank sheet notebook, and 
go with that. So that's that's my favorite. I've been the most consistent with that. Um, I like that the best. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. And I mean, the part that you said about, you know, trying different things and shiny objects, that's been me too. I mean, I've, I've tried many different apps on my phone. I've, I've tried a bunch of different pen and paper things. And it's just like, there's always, there's a different way I'm trying to find to, to be the most efficient. And then, you know, my biggest thing is make this big, long list of things and it just grows and grows and grows. And then before you know it, there's stuff that you're forgetting to get done because your list is so, so big. <laughs> I think um, we're very close to having a where you can probably for very cheap have like an AI assistant where somehow you maybe you just can talk to your phone, right? And just do voice memo and it figures it all out. It tells you these five things you need to get done today and does it all for you, which I don't know if that's good or bad. Part of what I like about you know, the bullet journal and that sort of stuff is it kind of forces you to think through your notes and think through it all and you kinda you kinda have to process it, you know. Where if AI is doing all that for you, you're just kind of executing tasks that it gives you. I don't know. You probably lose some of your brainstorming power and uh, whatnot. Oh, I, I, I believe that because, I mean, I also believe, too, that because there's, there's, there's this big talk. Everybody's concerned about AI taking over and taking over the world and killing off the humans or whatever they're saying. And the hum but the human part of it is still there. And I mean, it ultimately drives the AI. So I'm not overly concerned about it. I do think it has a ton of power that, you know, could be used the wrong way. But there's still that human element that's critical and that's key to how it even operates. And so, like, like in this example, an AI-powered to-do list, I mean, I think it'd be, I, I, I could see it being super helpful. And also, I mean, at the end of the day, though, you, there's still the human part that, you know, you know what meetings took place or you know what which things are actually priorities that that especially on a job site from day to day, it can change. And so the priority that was yesterday is probably not the same one as today. And yeah, and that's for the AI to know I, that. Yeah, what I've seen AI, like AI is like incredibly good at detecting patterns, right? It'll find patterns and stuff. That's kind of how it works, is my understanding. And I'm still dumb construction guy i don't have a clue how it works but my understanding basically is really 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 good at detecting patterns in very complex situations that's how i can predict things right and i'm sure there's patterns in how your day your day goes as being a construction manager but a lot of times like your priorities can change you know at the drop of a hat like just because this happened or that happened so to be able to to detect that and give that output. I don't know. I'm sure we're not far off from it, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, and the interesting thing about it, and it's, it's probably a little off topic for a construction podcast, but hey, who cares? It's ours. Um, <laughs> it's, I was listening to, <laughs> to, to the All In podcast, and they were talking about AI, and they were talking about first, I mean, it, it's a few months old now, but they were talking about when ChatGPT was getting really popular. And it was super cool to listen to these guys talk about it because they were, they're guys that were big, like like um, Silicon Valley, um, you know, entrepreneurs that grew successful businesses and sold them off. And now, you know, they're worth a bajillion dollars. These guys are. But they have a really unique perspective. And like one of the guys was an executive at Google. Um, another guy was. Um, uh, he worked he worked with Facebook or at Facebook or something. And I mean, 
you can look it up and learn all about these guys. Of course, you know, they're, they're celebrity millionaires so I, I'm, you know, all in, but it was really fun to hear the perspective. And they were talking about um, chat GPT, but then of course, Yahoo or, or Google, Facebook, they're going to have their own AIs as well. And, you know, Bard, Bard is Google, I believe that's going to compete. And, but, but the cool part of the conversation and everybody else can go listen to it instead of listening to my crappy cliff notes. But um, <laughs> the cool part about the conversation was like, they were, they were also talking about, all right, well, where's the threat here? I mean, you know, when is AI going to become a threat to, to society? And, and one, and one of the guys, um, my paraphrasing was he was, he was basically saying, well, once the AI can figure out how to improve itself, that's when we got to start worrying. At least, at least that, that, that's that's the way that, that that I took that conversation. It kind of made me chuckle, and I'm like, well, I, yeah, I guess so, right? If if the AI can, lose you again. Hey, back. Hey, sorry about that. I dropped off. I had a freaking spam call came come in, and I hit decline, and it ended this call too. <laughs> All good. The joys of podcasting when you have no clue what you're doing. You there? Hey, can you hear me? Okay, geez, sorry. My my Ford has some issues. <laughs> you're and, not looking and, for and I really I really hope I hope somebody from Ford happens to hear this podcast because I'm gonna say right now my electronics, my F one fifty suck. Chevy Silverado electronics are on the fritz, so I don't know. They'll just start cycling they? through the touchscreen paint on its own. Well, for for some reason, the the they like the Bluetooth connection in this truck, like you know, it connects to my phone, my iPhone with CarPlay, and just the weirdest things will just break that connection. That's crazy. So. Hey, I'll watch anyways, yeah, so we got some kinks to work out in technology. So yeah, now we're, yeah, there we go. AI, now we're back to the technology thing. I thought, I thought you offended the AI overlord and they just, just chicken us. Hey, maybe I did. I mean, well, I mean, between pissing off, um, uh, what was the other platform you were using? <laughs> the Riverside platform? Yeah, yeah. Between them and AI, I mean, we got some targets on our backs. I think. Yeah, they. Uh, that was a for the first one we did the live stream with Adam, and I got booted off immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I uh, I'm coming up on Bucky's here in a little bit, so I'm gonna have to take pit stop. Is there uh, anything else you want to chat about before we end this guy? Uh, no, I, I think um, it, was, it was fun to chat about the kickoff meetings and stuff. And I mean, I think we had on the most important topic, which is to make it collaborative. I mean, you know, the, from, from what I've seen and experienced, the best sites and the best projects really enforce the collaboration and encourage it. And I mean, you know, to me, that's, that's, that's just one of the things that builds up that culture of respect. So, I mean, if nothing else, I hope the listeners at least come away with that um, from, the, from the conversation. I agree. I, I think I think kickoff meetings are so important just for that that reason alone. It's just kind of get everybody together and you start on the right foot. 
because however long your project is, six months, nine months, a year, five years, if you don't get started on the right foot, it's going to be a very long and painful experience. Yep, exactly. The projects get stressful enough on their own. You might as well start it out in a good way. Well, man, thanks for taking some time and jumping on here with me. Fun as always. Yeah, no, it was a great time. I hope hope uh, listeners get something out of it here. And uh, for, and if they happen to hear some of the uh, the fumbling back and forth, thanks for listening through it. <laughs> but that's just how we roll, man. <laughs> we have the kinks worked out before the sponsorship money comes rolling in. Well, the next sponsorship, at least. <laughs> we've we've written off GM and Ford. Who else are we gonna piss off? <laughs> <laughs> who, who else can we piss off on this podcast? <laughs> the entire AI uh, AI industry—they're already mad at us. So. <laughs> yeah, we better be careful, I guess. So they're, they can be pretty powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, women. Good chat. Talk to you later. Yeah, thanks a lot, Matt. Thanks, everybody.